Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Birds 365, look who's in the building here. Yeah, but look, look at this. <laughs> what am I doing here, right? Yeah. Thrilled to have Dan Cilio here. I don't know, John. It's like twenty four seven's big sales now. You know, <laughs> hey, that's what we need, man. You know, it's great for me, Dan Cilio, because I have a legendary radio guy, typically here, Jody McDonald. Uh, you're filling in today, and now I got another legendary radio guy. <laughs> I'm, 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 it, this is so easy for me. So, people locally don't know Dan Cilio. Obviously, former NFL player. We know that. From my perspective. I, you know, Dan is will always be a legend in my mind because he's in the ring with Ultimo Dragon and Rambo. <laughs> can, I, can I call you Bone Crusher? Was it Bone, Bone Crusher? Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher. Crusher oh, God, I love that, too. And when we were over in Europe and how I got there was one of the craziest stories of all time. So Mongo, Steve McMichael, the former defensive tackle for the um, – Chicago Bears, he goes like this. He goes, Sills. And he had just left the game, too. And he goes, hey, man, you got to try this wrestling. I said, man, I don't know if I want to get my ass just thrown around again. I just had my ass thrown around for seven years. Really, man? And he goes like this. It's 15 grand a week. I said, where do I sign up, dude? And he, he goes, listen, talk to this guy named Cowboy Bob Orton. He runs the WCW. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I... I knew who he was because I grew up in a wrestling family. Everybody loves a wrestling game. I mean, my grandfather. Stanford, Connecticut. Absolutely. Home of WWF slash WWE, right? Yeah. So, John, I I, I get to go to Atlanta. I was still in, I think, Tampa at the time. So I go up to Atlanta, and there's Ole Anderson, too. They're both sitting in there, and they go, all right, we're going to give you a 1000 bucks a week. And I'm like, great. And this was the train. So I'm training with the ultimate warrior. We're all, I'm in there with Vader. We're training and they go like this. Okay. So they send me to Athens. I do some of these small shows. And then all of a sudden, Oli goes, I'm going to send you to Europe. And that's where I met Rambo. That's where I wrestled for the uh, European title. Got beat, of course. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, except for this. One of the hardest things that, you know, everyone knows it's a setup. Yeah. However, John, it's the hardest thing I ever did. I oh, mean, yeah. you take a beating. I you take that, a beating. We, we talked about that on your show, or maybe it was our show. Every NFL guy who I've ever talked to has gone into pro wrestling says it's much tougher on your body because of the constant, the daily wear and tear, as opposed to just playing it once a week. And that tells you a lot. But you know, also, Dan Cilio, I, I can't bring – this guy is a legend I'm looking at in the Maryland weight room. I know that. The Miami yep. weight room. He knows the most famous guy in the world. I'm still trying to get Cilio to get <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson to tweet out about Birds 365. Maybe you're on the show. You can get him to do it this morning. He's always up. Um, 
And you got the biggest Rolodex in this business. I think I'm doing a good job booking this show. I get former NFL GMs on this show. And I look over to Celium. You're getting current GMs and coaches. <laughs> and I'm like, what, 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 what? These, guys, these guys won't go on the radio, but they go on the Dan Celio show. It's crazy, John. John, you know what? You know this, that our business is all about relationships. And it's people that I've worked the phone. Here, I'll give you an example. And I think I've told you this before, and I've told you and Jody this. So how I'm getting Nick Sirianni on on July 26th. So Bob Lang, I think his name is, with the Eagles, right? Yeah. And I called Bob, and Bob goes like this. Hello, Bob Lang, 49ers. I go, no, 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 Bob, Eagles. And he goes like this to me. He goes, oh, that's right. That was my last job. Dan, how you doing, dude? I go, dude, man, don't you remember I'm boys with John Lynch and that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, Nick told me you you text him. How the hell did you get his cell phone? I go, ha-ha. Do you want me to divulge my my sources? He goes, yeah. I go, all right. So I called up Frank Wright, and I said, Frank, you got to get me hooked up with this dude. I go, was this guy like one of the coaches in San Diego when you were the offensive coordinator in San Diego? And he goes, yeah. I brought him to Indianapolis with me. And I'm like, got to get me. So he goes, don't abuse the number. Here's the number. So I've been going back and forth with Nick. And then I get a call from Bob Lang. We go back and forth. So I just use, you know, my connections that I've had either as a former player. And it's been just uh, over the years, as you know, John, when you're in this business, you, you never try to kill any kind of relationship in no. any way whatsoever. So, yeah, man, I mean, I've been really fortunate. We've had Tom Telesco on. We've had Kevin Colbert on from the Steelers. I mean, all of these dudes, man, it's been it's it, it's been remarkable that you know we got we had I even went out of the room and I got Joe George Foreman on I mean it's like crazy stuff that we've been able to do but it's all about relationships yeah it's amazing and Frank I assume was Maryland did you meet him there yeah well Frank we were Frank? teammates yeah we were teammates at Maryland my freshman year I was I went to Maryland and get this man you'll love this so you know Randy White's from Delaware right. Yeah, and Randy White, the former defensive tackle for the for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, I I go like this, man. I I just love this guy. I wore fifty four in high school at Stanford Catholic. I did the whole deal, man. I was like, okay, and I'm did being. You, didn't you break uh, Randy's record? Yeah, that's, that's his freshman record. record. I still hold it to this day. I yeah. did four oh five there, yeah. and I rolling. He he calls me on the phone, and he's like, "Hey, this is Randy White." I hung up on him. And he calls me back, and Coach Bobby Ross calls me. He goes, no, that's Randy White. I went, get the, you know, I went, really? So I signed. The only reason I signed to go to Maryland was there, and because of him. So I go to Maryland. I hate the defensive line coach. Him and I just did not see eye to eye. I still was the backup. And Boomer Sison was on the team. And see, that's how I got Boomer on the show. We are friends ever to this day, and we won an ACC championship my freshman year. And I just didn't want to stay there and I go to Miami and the whole thing is that's how I met Frank Wright. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's just been relation. I, you know, I build relationships, John, you know, and, and you know, it's funny, Norman Brayman who owned the Eagles for all those years. Right. And I'll never forget. Jerome goes like this to me. Hey, Norman told me you're going to take me, I think with the ninth pick. And I said, no way. The guy who <laughs> gave us cars, <laughs> me and you hey really I think are you kidding me Norman's gonna Norman Brayman's gonna take you in the ninth pick 
And he goes like this. Yeah, I go, that's freaking unbelievable. Sure enough, the Eagles take him with the ninth pick. He goes up to Philadelphia. And I'll tell you something, man. The Philly fans absolutely fell in love with Jerome right away. You know, Reggie was awesome. But I think, you know, if if I had to make a comparison with – with Jerome Brown, and I was so happy to see after he passed that they retired his number. If I had to make a comparison, John, to somebody in sports broadcasting today, the personality that Jerome would be today, it would be Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah. Charles, yeah. I That's mean, what he, I he had say. that. Yeah. He had that personality. Charles is just – Charles lights up a room, man. He could be a stand-up comedian if he wasn't doing uh, – if he wasn't a Hall of Fame basketball player, if he wasn't – uh, doing the things on TNT. He just he just makes everybody smile. Jerome was sort of that same kind of way. You guys were close. So, so many things about Dan Celio. So that's why I'm thrilled to have Dan. Those are just a few of the things. Oh. And 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 there's so much more. By the way, you get you get into Norman Bremen. We were talking before we jumped on the air about your daughter playing rugby, about all the NIL stuff. You were getting NILs back in the day, just nobody knew. It. Okay, see <laughs> now, now. Listen, I think the statute of uh, limitations is yeah, up on all over. this stuff now. By the way, so, like, Charles says that too. Charles Barkley says that too. So you know what? And so I had Tim Brando on the National Football Show. I think it was two days ago. And so he's like, "Yeah, these guys now are going to be able to get card deals." I go to Tim like this. Hey, Tim, take a look at my uh, Twitter page at Dan Silio Show. I'll show you a nil program big sills had his own nil program i'm driving my own corvette around i had a red vet hey dude this john this is the funniest story man so i did this stuff legal i'm gonna show you how i did it so back in the day you know these lloyd's of london policies that the players get in case you get hurt right so i go to the lloyd's of london and they go like this okay well you need ten thousand dollars as a premium to get this five hundred thousand dollar insurance policy if you're a big time uh, prospect came out. I was a big time prospect. I was, I guess, projected to go with the 15th pick. So I said, okay, great. I go to Sun Bank, this old bank that was down in South Florida. And I go, I, I went and I got a $35,000 loan. Now, okay, maybe he was an alumni of the University of Miami. Maybe the bank guy hooked me up with that. Okay. And he goes like this You need Coach Jimmy Johnson to sign that Lloyd's of London policy for you. And I said, so I walked into Coach Johnson's office and I go, hey, okay, uh, Coach, I need you. You know, I mean, this is my senior year. You saw what happened to Kevin Fagan, played 49ers, won three Super Bowls, was a really great player. You saw what happened in the Sugar Bowl. He blew his knee up in his last game. I don't want that to happen to me. And he goes, so he signs it. I get the $35,000. I go down to Norman Brayman. He goes, go over to Anthony Abraham. And now it's like auto nation, I think it is. And so I go, hey, that Corvette over there looks pretty good. What do you think? He goes, you think you can afford that thing there? And I go, and by the way, he's an alum. And I go, I'll tell you what, what you give me a deal on? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give it for you a dollar a month. And I went like this. Okay, now here's the catch, though. You turn pro, you got to pay $600 a month. And so I said, okay, deal. So Big Sills had his own plans, man. But it was (laughs) – it was it was I'm really happy for the kids though. Oh yeah. To be able to get this money yeah, how, can, like this, you know? how can you not be? I mean, and I was talking about Dan Lambert. I don't know if you saw Dan. I think you know Dan. Uh, and he and he runs the American Top Team Gym in South Florida. He's got a bunch of them. One of the top MMA MMA teams in the world, 
Some of the greatest fighters in the world train there. He's sponsoring the whole Miami football team. By the way, he was on AEW Wrestling. I don't know if you saw that, Sills. He uh, he he had one of the greatest promos this week. Out of you know, it tells you where wrestling is gone because he's doing a better promo than everybody on the show. But that's another story. We'll talk about that maybe on your show someday. He was phenomenal. You should watch it if you get a chance. Just it's all over the place. Just type in Dan's name. You should watch it. He he did a tremendous job. But yeah, I'm thrilled for the kids. My issue is though, you know, from covering the sport, loving the sport, doing all that, I do think it's gonna the haves and the have-nots are going to get bigger. That chasm between them is going to get bigger. Oh, yes. Because you're going to have the Alabama, Miami, you know, Dan Lambert's going to make sure Miami is more relevant than it has been, maybe back to the days you guys were there. And the Notre Dames, I know the whole offensive line got sponsored by some barbecue joint. Uh, yeah, the haves are going to be bigger and the have-nots are going to be smaller. But, John, I don't know that's a bad thing. I, I don't know that, you know, because let's be candid here about national championships every year. Yeah, it's the same how many thing. how many how many teams really truly have a shot at winning national title? Yeah. I mean, if you're San Diego State or you're BYU, and you know, I throw this out to people, when's the last power five team that won the national championship? It was nineteen eighty five, it was BYU. That's the last time that somebody who wasn't affiliated with a giant conference won the national championship. And they're never going to let that happen again because the National Communist Association of America, <laughs> which had their thumb on these kids, now they've lost the power. John, the power with the NCAA was in the kids. Now that they've lost that, I don't know what I don't know we, what the hell that thing's even around for now. I mean, nobody listens yeah, boy, to it anymore. Central Florida declared themselves the national champions because, <laughs> yeah, because they didn't get an opportunity. But people say, you know, Alabama would kill Central Florida. You're probably right. I'm not saying that. But you know what? It'd probably be fun to see because they're killing Notre Dame and Clemson, Ohio State anyway. Right on. You know? So if Notre Dame's getting blown out, why can't I see Central Florida get blown out? Who knows? Maybe some – what I'm trying to say is, Dan, maybe somebody catches lightning in a bottle one year. Maybe it's not consistent. I'd like to see that Central Florida team. I use an example. I would have liked to have seen them test themselves against a so-called great team. If you remember what they did in the bowl game that year, they destroyed Auburn. Yeah. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, and Auburn, again, that's the big rival with Alabama. You know, let me ask you, I've always, you know, and I've said this before, listen. College football in Philadelphia and in the Northeast, it's nowhere in the no, conversation. It, no. It's just not. Why? Right. I mean, it, listen, college football is a Midwest and it's a Southern sport. And places like New York, Philly, Boston, even with Boston College. I mean, if you're not Southern Cal in Los Angeles, you know, the Pac-12 is nowhere. You know, nobody yeah. cares about it. You know, I was just wondering because Temple – you know, they've been sporadically up and down, but, man, that's got to be zero conversation when you're talking, especially no, in a city like Philly, right? Yeah, because it's a pro sports town. I mean, you have the, the Eagles. I mean, that's why this show exists. I mean, there's passion. We're talking Eagles. We're going to talk Eagles. And what is it, July? Where are we? July oh, 9th. Know. Right. You know, people never stop. And also, you see some of the things with the Sixers. You know, even that, if you've seen some of the things about Danny Green coming out, and, and yeah. I want to talk to you about that, about, 
you know, pro athletes thinking fans are too hard on them. Oh. How how was it back in your day? I want hey, to dude, talk about John, that. John, let me let me let me let me hit this up here with you. Okay, so Danny Green and I said this yesterday on the National Football Show, dude, man, when you aim your and I get he was asked the question too. Yeah. So you got to remember he's answering a question. I wish Philly fans, bro, don't bring that into the conversation. You can't do that because I don't care what you think. You're never going to be able to go into that city. I don't care if you play your ass off next year. You're never going to be able to win the fans over again when you are making $300,000 a night. You're talking and crying about fans being passionate. You got to remember something, man. You're asking fans to go there and pay for season tickets. You're asking them who get up off their ass every day and go to work to be light on people who expectations are just to go to work. John, it's not, that's not going to cut it in a city like that. So when you're looking at him taking, taking, taking uh, shots at Philly, I think it is taking shots at Philly fans for being lighter. You're never going to hear that, dude. You're never yeah. going to hear that, especially well, when you get bounced like that. Yeah, and think about the tone deafness. So these fans who have gone through this losing, now Danny Green wasn't here. They went through the whole process when they were losing on purpose. They supported the team through all of that. And he's saying, you know, when he turned, again, he wasn't here for all that, so maybe he doesn't know that. But then Ben Simmons goes and buys an $18 million house. They're all disappointed he goes out to where you are in Southern California, where it's so damn expensive. It doesn't matter to him. He's having the time of his life. He's dating Instagram models from the UK, and they're all disappointed because the guy won't make a free throw. I think That's, that guy's there's nothing a, wrong with that. Hey, John, I think that guy's a bum. You know why he's a bum? You look at Lamar Jackson. I said this about Lamar, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Three years ago, the guy never be in the league in five years. You know what he did? Proved me wrong. Went out, worked his ass off, became the MVP of the, of the league, led the NFL in touchdown passes, two consecutive years, 1,000 yards. I'm doing this. Way to go, kid. Way to go. You watch Ben Simmons. He sits around eating Fritos all day, and he's on Instagram trying to troll <laughs> chicks. And I'm sitting there going like this, and you're banking these bricks off the backboard. And I'm, I'm like this. Kid, you don't work at your game. People hate you. Because no one, no one in your in your team is telling you the truth. Nobody sits there and tells that guy the truth. And I'll say this: I love Doc. Doc Rivers and I are boys. Throw him in, throwing him under the bus like that, and not taking accountability as the organization for not making the kid want to work. Now, I will say this one thing though: here, John. Okay, here here's one thing here. If they want to get value for him, you shouldn't be trashing him in public. And I'm talking the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking yeah. about the fans because if you keep trashing them in public like that, you know what's going to end up happening at the end of the day? You're going to get a Carson Wentz deal where you're not going to get a first-round draft choice. We'll continue more of this here in a second. Nick Fierro is going to be on with us. We'll talk some Bills and Eagles. You keep it right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. Birds 365, your boy Dan Cilio, John McMullen, and we bring in Nick Fierro. Nick, how you doing, brother? Hi, guys. Good to yeah, be back. Good to see you. Uh, Nick, by the way, is uh, Sills is down in Florida, so he is living the life, I believe. Where are you, Hollywood Beach, Nick? Yes, sir. Hollywood oh, he's Beach, in Kane's Florida. country. How you doing, right? Yeah. 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 Former Miami Hurricane Dan Celio filling in for Jody Mack. Everybody knows Nick on our show, Dan. He covered the Eagles for years for the Allentown Morning Call. Unfortunately, like Les Bowen, Paul Domovich, Ed Bankin, all these local people of the world we live in, uh, Nick is moving on from the Allentown Morning Call, but he's still covering the Buffalo Bills. And I think it's so interesting covering the Buffalo Bills for SI.com. Nick, it's July 9th. We're still talking about Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. We're still yeah. talking about it. And the one team everybody wants to connect him with is the Buffalo Bills. So that's where I wanted to start with you. Do you think any – Buffalo's a legitimate contender. 
They need a tight end. Do you think there's any real interest from them in Zach Ertz? Yeah, I think there has to be. I mean, because we look at what they did on offense last year, and uh, they didn't really have a dynamic uh, tight end. Uh, they, they didn't have dynamic t- tight end play, and for that matter, running back play. You know, they did it all with wide receivers, um, throwing the ball, chucking the ball all over the place, especially with Stephon Diggs. But uh, overlooked, I think, was Cole Beasley had an all-pro year too, second-team all-pro. But, uh, you know, if they could uh, – yeah, and they, they added Jacob Hollister this year um, as a free agent, but I, I – don't think that he projects as, as a guy that could be uh, somebody like Zach Ertz. And, um, you know, if they can, if they can get Zach Ertz, that, that would give them one extra dimension there, uh, a healthy Zach Ertz anyway, and uh, uh, that, that they didn't have before. And can, can you imagine what this offense could do? It was the second most proficient offense in the league last year. I, w- I would say this to you too, the tight end position now, has become so prominent when you're looking at the offenses, Nick, that are in the NFL, anybody that can split the seam and go up the sideline with a tight end. I mean, the mismatches that you're seeing with guys like Travis Kelsey now, you saw what Gronk did for years up in New England. It was a complete mismatch. Unless you don't have that cover two type uh, linebacker like a Derek Brooks or a Ryan Chazier. I always thought Ryan Chazier was the killer of Gronk because he was the only guy that could defend him on the run and also on the seam and on the pass. So, I mean, Ertz is a guy that goes into that offense. You put him with Stefan Diggs, like you said. Sean McDermott, the only issue that I would say with Buffalo, I don't know if you agree or disagree, you know, their running game. Are they going to be consistent with the committee? You get this guy in that offense, boy, I'll tell you what, they go from being maybe the fifth-best offense or maybe the sixth-best offense in the AFC. You've got to push them up there, maybe in the top five. Would you agree if Ertz is on that team? No, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right about the running game. I mean, uh, they talked a lot about it in the offseason. The, uh, uh, you know, both the, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, um, their offensive line coach, they, they were all talking about, well, they just have to run the ball better, not necessarily more. But the, the problem, obviously, with running the ball is sometimes you need those reps, to, those carries to, you know, for your running back to get into a rhythm and, uh, but this is today's NFL. I mean, not, not a lot of teams do that anymore. Um, they're, they're really run-based. And so don't expect that from the Bills, uh, even if they would have, you know, uh, gone out and, and drafted a, a running back like Travis Etienne, which who they might have drafted if he wasn't if he was still on the board. But uh, I, I don't think that would have happened anyway. I don't think they're changing their offense now. They, they're they going to just uh, – they feel like they have to run the ball, you know, if they're only going to run the ball 15 times a game, 18 times a game – they want to be efficient there, but it's, it's harder to do. I think pretty much everybody understands that. But, yeah, having a tight end there, um, uh, not necessarily a great blocking tight end in Zach Ertz, but a, a tight end who can, you know, could be a high-volume guy could really elevate that offense um, even more, I think, than, than it was before. Because, uh, you know, I, it, it's probably a little unreasonable to expect uh, uh, Josh Allen to, you know, continue his upward trend. I mean, at some point you got to level off there. And, you know, he might even regress a little bit. Stefan Diggs going to have the kind of year that he had last year, um, career highs and everything. So, um, you know, they, they need some some things. But then again, I mean, you expect some improvement some of their other guys. Uh, Gabriel Davis was a rookie last year, wide receiver, showed some really good promise. Um, you know, even Dawson Knox, you would expect him after reading all this stuff, they're starting tight end, to, to kind of respond. And, you know, they they added Matt Breida, the uh, the running back who, uh, you know, was clocked at 
whatever, 22.3 miles an hour a couple years ago. Um, they supposedly lack that home run hitter at running back. Well, now they have a home run hitter. I mean, a, a guy who could score every yeah. time he touches the ball. So they have a few extra dimensions there. It's you know, you bring up, Nick, uh, obviously Josh Allen. But I do want to get into a name you did mention. People hate when I bring this up. People hate when Jody, when he's here, brings this up. I don't know about you, Dan, but anytime we talk about vaccination, people hate when we bring it up. But it's real because, you know, the league came out and there's about 68% of the league is on in route to being vaccinated. But you're you're covering the Buffalo Bills, and that's ground zero for this issue because of Cole Beasley, who, as you mentioned, is a very, very important part of that offense. I mean, he was one of the best slot receivers in football last season. And he's been very vocal about not wanting to get vaccinated. Now, he's kind of walked back and he's not talking as much. But do you think it's serious that he might walk away from the game, Nick, as as he kind of intimated if they're going to make him get vaccinated? Obviously, they can't make him literally. But there's so much pressure on these guys because of the protocols that the NFL has set up. Do you think there's a chance that the Bills are not going to have Cole Beasley? Yeah, there is a chance. I think if the uh, league doesn't change its rules, uh, which they put in for the non-vaccinated players, that's going to apply throughout training camp. But that they're, they're all subject to change by the time yeah. the regular season rolls around, and so they could be back to normal um, for you know by then. And in which case, Cole Beasley, you know, has no reason to to walk away. But he might. I mean, if the, and I think that the rules are not unreasonable. Um, that they have in place now um, for the non-vaccinated players, that they have to stay socially distant. They have to wear a mask at all times on the premises. They can't eat with their teammates in the cafeteria. Um, there's travel restrictions on them. They can't leave the hotel on road trips, you know, to be with family. Hey, you know what? You're not getting Those are the rules. Maybe they're a little unreasonable. I, I don't think they are. And if Cole Beasley can't handle that, you know, I guess he he walks away, and uh, maybe the you know that well the Bills are offense suffers for it, but you know maybe they're better in the long run because you don't need that kind of distraction on the team. But the problem with the Bills is this: he's not the only guy. Josh Allen feels yeah. the same way. He Good ain't getting point. vaccinated. Yeah. These are prominent. Jordan Poyer, not only Jordan Poyer, but his wife going off on Twitter about that. These are prominent Bills. Uh, Poyer was, uh, you know, had a cup of coffee with the Eagles. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they, uh, for for a while back in the Chip Kelly era. But, um, I, you know, I and there's more too. I mean, uh, I think it was uh, uh, one one of the rookie. I think it was Gabriel Davis that tweeted his support of uh, of Cole Beasley. You know, these guys are kind of on board with him, and, and you know, and you have the coach saying that he really hopes that that the team can can reach that threshold so that they, they don't have the restrictions. And then, of course, you have the GM making that statement, Brandon Bean, saying that he would consider cutting yeah. a guy. Yeah. Uh, and he got all kinds of trouble for that. Yeah. You, you, you know what, though, Nick? I would say this to you, and I agree with everything you're saying, but I would throw this on the other side of the argument. Dak Prescott also is not going to answer the question, too, on him being vaccinated. Josh Allen's not vaccinated. Cole Beasley's not vaccinated. I think the NFL, how do you sit there and push that narrative to the players? And then you're telling fans that you have to be vaccinated when you roll into the building. If I'm a fan, too, why the hell would I want to be vaccinated when the face of the league, Dak Prescott, the face of the Bills, these guys are anti-vaccination on this. I mean, 
I don't know how the NFL is going to get around this. I mean, walking into a building that's got the Dallas Cowboys and the Bills or whomever and faces these franchises aren't vaccinated, it's a double standard yeah. then for the fans. I think the, the league does have an issue here on how they're going to go forward because, like you said, you can put all the protocols you want in place here, but you've got guys all over the league that are some of the prominent faces in the league that yeah. have not been vaccinated. How's the league going to get around this? Yeah, I don't know, especially if they have those rules. My, my understanding with the Bills, though, is that they relax that standard for the fans, that they don't have to be vaccinated coming in. I, I think it's going to be up to yeah. each team. And so, you know, I guess they can, you know, deal with it that way. Um, so the same standards apply. But, yeah, I, there's going to be some stadiums where, you know, you, I guess you have to be vaccinated to get in. And um, how is that going to sit with fans when they're the leader, leaders of their teams or, you know, not only not getting vaccinated, but they're out there kind of crusading against it maybe sometimes. Um, you know, it's the, I, I don't see it. I mean, I, I don't see how, the, you know, this is going to be a problem all the way through. It's going to continue, by the way. You know, the, the pandemic's not over. No, no, John, 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 Nick, I mean, look, at if I do think there is a red flag out there right now and what we're seeing in Japan, right, with yeah. there's an emergency yeah. state of an emergency now that there's going to be no fans that are going to be in the stands. That, that's got to put also the NFL on blast too, doesn't it, now going like this? Okay, this thing like you just said, Nick, it's not over here yet, and the Olympic Games are being affected too. So we saw what uh, Chris Paul what happened to him, right? The guy missed a couple games in the yeah. NBA playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at this now. If you're the NFL, you've got to be watching the landscape of what's going on around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and uh, you know, there's still going to be these games missed by guys. What happens if Cole Beasley gets it and he misses a couple of games? Yeah. You know, they lose. It could affect their stand. I mean, it might be the difference between a home game in the playoffs or an extra home game in the playoffs, whatever, whatever the case may be. And you could point back to that as saying, like, you know, if you just, you know, would have done things, been thinking a little bit clearer, uh, this might not have happened. Or the fact is that, you, you know, in team meetings, if he, if this thing continues through the through the year, he can't really interact as, as much with his teammates. Um, is he going to be included as much in the offense then? Um, you know, if he if he has to be participating in a, either in a Zoom or in the yeah. back of the room, and he can't lift weights with guys, he can't eat with guys, and he can't even really uh, do much on the road trips with the guys at all. Um, so I, I don't uh, – yeah, it, it's going to be really tough. If, if that matter, the quarterback even more so um, if, the, if the rule applies. They, they have to get – in the Bills' case, <laughs> they got to get Josh Allen on board with this. Yeah, um, this is – I by think Cole way, is a lost cause, but they got to get Josh Allen on board. Yeah, Nick, you hit the nail on the head with the competitive advantage thing. The NFL proved last year with Denver, uh, look, they're going to play the games. So <laughs> yeah, no matter Allen, what. Yeah. yeah. So if Josh yeah. Allen tests positive and the, the entire quarterback room is, is you know, a close contact, guess what? They're going to have a wide receiver playing quarterback like the Denver Broncos. So the competitive advantage situation – is what I want to talk about next because you have these guys, and you mentioned Brandon Bean in Buffalo, Sean McDermott, how he's going to handle it. I love the way Bruce Arians handled it. You know, Sills has got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pennant up behind him. You know, but Bruce has cachet. That's a two-time coach of the year. That's a Super Bowl-winning head coach now. And he goes, you know what? 
if you want to get back to normal, get vaccinated, boom, it's over. He's got that kind of cachet. Yeah. We have a rookie head coach here in Philadelphia that you got to know a little bit, Nick Sirianni. Sills isn't even here. He knows him better than both of us, which pisses me off. But nonetheless, <laughs> he's got his phone number, which, by the way, give me that damn phone number. That's <laughs> all the stuff. Um, so what difference in coaches? Sean McDermott has now developed into a big-time NFL head coach. I think that's fair to say. Does he have more cachet than, than other guys to maybe steer guys in the right direction? Not from a political standpoint, but from a competitive advantage standpoint. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's the case because, you know, I just heard him talking the other day. He's out at this uh, golf tournament out in, in uh, Nevada, uh-huh. the American yeah. Century. Everybody, yeah. And uh, so they were interviewing him right before that. And, um, yeah, he was pretty diplomatic. Uh, they, they brought up Cole Beasley and he was saying that uh, I trust our player leadership to make the best decisions and uh, we have to respect uh, their decisions. He he <clears throat> He was not Bruce Arians in that interview. I will say that he's the opposite of Bruce Arians in that interview. And, uh, uh, you know, it makes you wonder, like, you know, he's just not going to do that. I don't think he feels like he's in position, uh, you know, to to be doing that. And um, this could really blow up in their faces, especially if if these uh, rules – well, even if they – even during training camp. You know, Josh Allen can't be in a meeting. You know, Cole Beasley, they can't be in the same meeting with these guys. It's good – it's going to be crazy. I, I really, uh, you know, how, how are they going to function um, in training camp? I don't care how together they are. It's a shame because the team is pretty together. They had a bunch of guys that uh, stayed with the Bills, you know, that had contracts expired and took a lot less money to stay because they think, hey, we're on the verge of the Super Bowl. Um, you don't really see that too often. Uh, they thought they were going to lose a, a bunch of players. They didn't lose anybody that they really wanted. John Brown was probably going to be gone anyway. But all the other guys they were able to keep, and it was really just amazing how much these guys are on board and, and really just really focused in on uh, building on last year. And it can all be torn apart because they're not even going to be able to be in the same room together, um, you know, during training camp and during the season. Nick, you, you bring up contract. Um, the contract with Josh Allen now, they're, they're kind of bannering it back and forth now on whether or not that they're going to start working on this contract now, wait for the end of the year. I mean, if we learn anything from Wentz in golf, I mean, don't you let the thing play out right now? Or because he's built so much equity. And what I love about the kid, his junior year at Wyoming, I thought was his best year when he was there at Wyoming. Senior year, he lost some talent because Wyoming's not a really big-time program. Came into the organization. when Everybody knows about the tweets that he had. They found those tweets. He had apologized the first day. He's built so much equity up in that room. He looks like the leader, like you said. Everything he's done every year, he's he, he he's improved in everything. Leadership, play on the field, community guy. Is this going to push them, or do you think that Wentz and golf deals are going to stop the Bills from really getting a deal done by the beginning of the season, or do you think they just let the year play out? I just think that they're – I don't think they're going to let the, the other situations play into it. They, they feel like they're pretty close. Um, they're not going to sign a deal that's that's – you know, it's unfriendly. Is to it them Dak Prescott? Is it a Dak Prescott deal? You think? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they feel good enough about that now. But um, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe because of this the situation here, uh, 
just just because of everything, if they don't, if they keep this thing going, because they they protect it, they own his rights through next season anyway, and then they can use the franchise tag. So they're really in no imminent danger of losing him. I'm with you. I, I would let it go. I, I would let it play out this year. We, we've seen quarterbacks have years like close to Josh Allen, the, the year, and then the, then they just didn't, you know, have the same, uh, weren't able to respond, and you, you just wonder about them. And so, do you really want to commit? But I think the, the the Bills are ready to commit, and I think that if they if the uh, you know they're, they're negotiating now, I think if the if the agent comes comes up with a number that they like, <laughs> I think that they don't hesitate and they, they get the deal done right away. But on, on the other hand, it, it just could drag out. I think they both teams have both sides have numbers in mind, and as soon as they the numbers get met, uh, I think the deal gets done. Hey Nick, I want to talk about Josh Allen. And Jalen Hurts, not from a traits perspective. Josh Allen is just off the charts from a talent perspective. But one of the knocks coming in on him from Wyoming, as Dan points out, not a not a high level school at the college level, was accuracy. He was supposed to be not accurate, and all of a sudden, the guy's pretty damn accurate. Yeah. The knock on Jalen Hurts, who's coming from two really high-profile schools, Alabama and Oklahoma, he's not accurate. Last year, in a small sample size, he wasn't accurate. <laughs> you think he can yeah. become accurate like Josh Allen, or were the Josh Allen knocks more of just people not realizing, uh, yeah, the kid is accurate. What Do you think he's improved? Do you think? People can improve in that aspect because I've talked to a lot of personnel people. We got an NFL player right here, Dan. I'm sure you've heard it a hundred times. If you're not accurate, you can't teach accuracy. Can you teach accuracy? No. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, well, no, Nick, I would say this to you, John. I think coaching plays a factor in this too. I think McDermott get and them going out and getting Stefan Diggs, the talent around him. You know, when you're at Wyoming and you've got lesser talent around you, you may not look as accurate because the guys are not able to get open or get off the line of scrimmage. And when you have a guy like McDermott that puts this kid in a position to succeed and great coaching, he's elevated his game because the Bills have elevated the talent around him. They weren't able to do that at Wyoming. Do you agree, Nick, that you've got the coaching and you've got the talent around him, and that's why that accuracy, they roll him out right, like Walsh used to roll Montana out back in the day, make him manage half the field instead of the entire field. As he sees more of the field, you're going to be able to pull him back more of in a seven step. So, I mean, I think it's got a lot to do with coaching. Yeah, and and uh, also, you know, yeah, it's mechanical things too. You you might not be able to get a guy. Uh, I, yeah, I think you can you can make a guy more accurate because you can get improve his footwork, and um, you know you, you can have his you know they changed. Uh, they changed Josh Allen's arm slot. And the same thing, we saw that with Dak Prescott. I, I feel like Dak, Dak Prescott's going to be a more accurate quarterback now. He worked a lot. you know. And these guys have personal uh, coaches that they work with in the offseason. So, so you can get, I think, better uh, that way. So, um, so I think it bodes well for Jalen Hurts. I think he can be that guy uh, for the Eagles, just like Josh Allen was. And, yeah, you, you, again, you, a big part of it was that they – when I got a big time wide receiver and and right now all of a sudden he's second in the Pro Bowl bowling and uh you know Jalen Hurts didn't have that uh that big time receiver last year and now he looks like he will. I, I really like Devontae Smith. I don't know about you guys. 
Uh, I think the only thing that keeps him from an all-pro career, a Hall of Fame career, would be injury. If he could get snapped in half in this league, uh, and <laughs> that's a big might. deal. Because, but, but if he doesn't, I think he he ends up in Kent. Wow, but Nick, I I I that was my concern. When you're 170 or 180 pounds or whatever the hell he is coming out of college, 166, Dan. Okay, you, you, you know what, John? You know what? You know what? Chris Carter told me. Chris Carter said he goes, dude, it's not the same league that you and I played in, yeah, where you true. can mug these guys on the line of scrimmage yeah. and you can just nail these guys going up and down the line. You you can't do that anymore. There's more open space because they give the wide receivers the latitude. Not to have the tar have the targeting penalty against the linebackers in the free and strong safeties. So it's a different league. I think it's really going to come down to Nick Sirianni putting him in positions to win. If they line him up where he's going to be going against the best corner, I don't know. Maybe he gets manhandled. We'll see if he's going to be able to do that. But let's not forget something here, Nick. He also played against some of the greatest talent that went into the NFL draft each and every single year in the Southeastern Conference. Those guys are all in the pros, and he dominated them too. So, I mean, I, I and you know, everybody from what I've heard of, you know, and you know, Merrill Reese said he's never in his 50 some odd years, he's never seen, and this is helmets and shorts. So, read into it whatever you want. He said he's never in his life covering the Eagles for 50 years seen a guy with that kind of electricity as a player on a football field for the Eagles. I think that says a lot. Yeah, I mean, am I crazy? I, I maybe I am if, in thinking that he's the this guy's the best receiver in the draft. He, I agree. he was the third guy drafted, right? Or the what was it, third or fourth? Well, he went drafted. after Waddle and the kid from uh, um, uh, LSU who went yeah. to uh, B, uh, went to yeah. uh, Cincinnati. Jamar Chase. I mean, he went out, yeah. he went after a guy on his own team, but I think those guys got yeah. drafted because there was less concern about their size. Uh, if if Devonte Smith had those same numbers and he was you know, 200 pounds, 6'2", 200, you know, he's, he's the number one pick. I, 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 you know, he was, to me, I, I look at him every which way, the best receiver coming out uh, and maybe the best receiver of the last few years coming out. Uh, could be wrong, uh, but I, I don't <laughs> think anything really derails this kid except injury. Yeah. He's, he's so well-rounded too. And he is 166 pounds. So I, I remember Gary Cobb, was at practice with us one day. You were probably there, Nick. And I was standing next to Gary, and he just said, man, that kid's got to get some sweatpants. That's how little yeah. his life is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gary, but, Cobb, uh, Gary Cobb played high school football in the same city with me in Stanford. I love Gary. Gary and I yeah. were teammates. What a great dude. But he's right. I mean, but again, guys, I, I, don't, I don't think it's the same league again these guys, they protect the wideouts. They're the second most protected position in the league next to the quarterback. I'm with you, Nick. You know, I've, I, I've made a 360 on this thing here where I think this guy's going to really be a component for really a great high-powered offense. My big question will be whether or not Jalen Hurts can get him the ball. Yeah. Let me say one thing about Gary Cobb. I played basketball against him once and for some reason, I thought I was going to go in and, you know, we both were going for a rebound. Why I would even try to battle him for a rebound, I don't know. But he came down with the, the, the ball right on top of my head with his elbow on top of my head. He didn't even realize it. You know, I had a bump on my head like a triangle for like a, a month after. You could see it. And, you know, in the locker room after, he's like, oh, man, did I, did I hit you? I didn't even realize. I'm sorry, man. You know, he, but, you know, I, yeah, you don't want to be messing with this guy. No, 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 no. I love I, – I, you know who Gary's brother is, right? 
Uh, Ernie no. Cobb. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. part of the uh, uh, Boston College point-shaving scandal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How about no. that, man? Yeah, because he, he's also from Stanford. Gary's a great – that's a great family. Just absolutely great family. So you think yeah. he succeeds, right? Yeah. Devon, yeah, I think Devontae is going to be good. Uh, I really do, uh, one way or another. Because, because I, I think the rule changes, like you said – yeah. Um, it, it's really tough that the, the receivers are protected, even not, not so much, you know, at the line and everything, which you can still get away with stuff with chucking guys in the first five yards. But, man, those targeting rules, um, you know, uh, it, that that's uh, those are the things. But you but you still worry about them just in the day to day things. Get, smaller guys get injured. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, not, and he's not really I wouldn't consider him small. I mean, he's legit six one. But 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 lightweight guys. You know, if he if he he's got to you know probably get some meat on those bones, and and I think he'll he'll be fine then, and I think he will over the years. Yeah, I always Nick, I always say, <clears throat> excuse me, Darren Sproles. People would say Darren's small. <clears throat> I would say no, Darren's not small. Darren no. is short. Stout. He is one of the most powerful people, pound for pound, uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL. He was he was just short. He but he was very big. In Devontae Smith's case. I will say he is very slim. I mean, he's 166 pounds. I told you what Gary said. Um, but he's very long. He's very lengthy. So I think people think of him like Deshaun Jackson. No, he's not like that. He's a well-rounded receiver. He's got a huge catching radius. I think he's going to be a star. What I'm most excited about, I, I most, the guy's never played in the NFL down yet, and I don't even worry about him. I think the most exciting part about having Devontae Smith is Jalen Rager can settle in as the number two receiver. There's not as much pressure and so forth. The dominoes start to fall with Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham. And those guys will get more comfortable and their play will elevate. But as Dan points out, it all depends on the quarterback. The quarterback's got to get people to football, bottom line. Yep. And I like Jalen Rigger too. I'm kind of like you. I, I think he's going to have a better year than he did last year. He he was really – lots of times when you get hurt as a rookie, and he had two different injuries. Yeah. Um, that kind of set you back. <laughs> and his production wasn't all that bad for considering the, the amount of games that he played. Anyway, I think if, if Jalen Rigger plays a full 16-game season, you're going to see a you know, much different player this year. And so uh, I think that, that would be the case um, – with or without uh, Devontae Smith, but even more so with him in there, and he's the number two receiver. Yeah, I think the domino effect there. And then you have Nick Sirianni, who his his background, he was a receiver at Mountain Union. His background is receiver. Kevin Petullo coached receivers. I think Shane Steichen. Everybody on this team coached receivers at one yeah. point. So this coaching staff should be able to get the most out of these receivers and that should be exciting for Eagles fans. Yeah, uh, for the Eagles, I, I really believe the Eagles are going to score points this year. They're going to have the offense. They're going to have the offense this year that they thought they were going to have last year. My concern is the defense. Who are there? Who's right. that last linebacker? Who's the extra safety? For that matter, who were both safeties? Because you know, let's face it, uh, I don't think Rodney McLeod's going to be ready. You know, and who's the other cornerback? So uh, how are they going to stop people? Are they going to be able to score forty points a game? Because right now, I think that's the only way they're going to be able to win. Yeah. It's yeah, a fair I, point. I, nope. I, I, I agree 100%. Nick, appreciate it, man. Great Nick guys. Piero, Allentown Mountain Morning Call, legendary beat writer. I'm going to call <laughs> you legendary. 
Uh, now covering the Buffalo Bills for SI.com, so check them out there. And, Nick, enjoy. I know you're going to go golfing today. Tell me you're going to go golfing. No, no, Beach. Beach all better. Even better. Even better, man. Beach, that's great. Okay. Enjoy your time in, in Hollywood Beach, Florida. guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nick. Appreciate it. You, you, you know, hey, before we go to break here, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts, I mean, how is he being received John in, in in Philadelphia. Is it is is he being received? Because listen, the most the most popular guy on any football team is the backup quarterback, especially when your number one guy's oh, struggling. Yeah. Okay. I he he they are always get him out of here. All that let, let, let's hit on this on the other side. Let's save this here. Yeah, we'll take a brief timeout. We'll talk Jalen Hurts on the other side here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
Sports 365. John McMullen, Dan Silio, in for Jody. Nick's great, man. Yeah, he is great. That's why I said legendary. Uh, Allentown Morning Call, 17 years, I think. Wow. Covered the Eagles. 17 years. Covering the Eagles, man. I mean, the teams that he's seen and the quarterback <laughs> play that he's seen covering that football team all the way back to McNabb. I mean, look, I, I, I've said this before. The thing that I'm attracted, John, about Jalen Hurts is this. I mean, look, we'll see if this guy can be a frontline NFL quarterback. Chris Sims doesn't seem to think so. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll see. I had him on the show, and he doesn't really think he's yeah. even in the top 40 now. Top 40. You didn't put him in his top 40. And so yeah. I would say this to you, though, John. The thing that I dig about the kid is that he was a great teammate when he was at Alabama, okay? And 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 I get where some people would say, because um, Howard Eskin, who was on our show, he said, yeah, but the guy quit. He left. I mean, instead of fighting Tua for the job. Come on, Howard. I don't subscribe to that. I don't subscribe to that either. I don't subscribe to that either. I thought he showed really being a great teammate and – I think that's what resonated when he went to Oklahoma. That team yeah. immediately gravitated to him. And I love that he went from, get this, he went from one coaching style to the Lincoln-Riley coaching style, and he's able to pick these playbooks up. He's able to understand the offenses that both, get this, I mean, hey, look, yeah. you're talking Steve Sarkeesian, who was a big-time offensive coordinator for Alabama. He's now the head coach of Texas. And at one time, Atlanta Falcons. And you're talking about Lincoln Riley, who's one of the hottest coaching candidates. If uh, you're looking for an NFL candidate, Lincoln Riley's your guy, right? And He'd be he the was Eagles able to coach win. if he agreed. He, that was the first call the Eagles made when they fired Doug Peterson was to Lincoln Riley, who wasn't ready. The Eagles were dysfunctional. They looked like a dysfunctional mess at the time. But I agree with you with Jalen Hurts. Look, he's a high-level college quarterback. You're probably going to lose to Tua. You already know that. He's got an opportunity to go to Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. Oh, by the way, he ends up as the runner-up in the Heisman. He becomes a second-round pick in the NFL draft. It's about his future career as well. He was a great teammate. Dan, I can tell you from covering this team every day, guys gravitate towards him. He has that natural leadership skill that Carson Wentz did not have, and there was a bit of a more – sort of fluctuated locker room with groups and cliques. Everybody likes Jalen Hurts. Typically, here's how I describe it, Dan. Typically, when I talk about young quarterbacks, and we'll use this year's draft as an example, Trevor Lawrence, you know he's got the physical gifts to, to succeed in the NFL. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields, whoever you want to say. Um, you know they're gifted physically you worry about the other stuff do they have the intangibles the stuff you can't quantify we never know that stuff i'm the first guy to tell you i thought ryan leaf was going to be a star from a physical perspective i don't have the ability to know what the hell's going on in his head and obviously ryan had a lot of problems and now he admits that self-admitted problems that turned him in a really negative direction you don't know that kind of stuff. Jalen Hurts is the rare young quarterback that I don't worry about the intangibles. I know his work ethic. I know his leadership skills. 
I don't know if he's got an NFL skill set, high level NFL skill set to be a, a top tier quarterback. It's almost a 180 when you're talking about young quarterbacks. The other guys, I don't know if they have it from the mental perspective. I don't know if they work as hard. I don't know that stuff. I just don't have the ability to know it. With Jalen, I don't even worry about that stuff. But I do worry about the accuracy. I do worry about can he, you know, we know this game, Dan. He can extend plays. At some point, if you're going to be a good team, it's going to be third and seven, third and eight. You got to convert a huge throw from the pocket. Can he do that consistently? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I think all the things that you just said, I also think that there was a mistake that was made in the Eagles locker room a year ago by all concerned from the front office down to the head coach. I want to hit on that, John, when we come back out of the timeout. You keep it here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Chris 365, Dan Cilio in for Jody, here with John McMullen. John, I tease going into the timeout. There was a mistake that was made a year ago, and maybe this thing really started to blow up in the Eagle locker room because of Frank Wright getting the head coaching job with the Indianapolis Colts. I always thought that Frank was kind of like the buffer in the middle there between the front office and with Doug Peterson. You know, I'll give you an example here. Um, a couple of years back, I don't know if you remember the wide receiver named Percy Harvin, who was in that oh, Seattle yeah. Seahawks oh. um, locker room, started to become a cancer in that locker room. What did Carroll do? When any well, there was like whisperings in the corner, Carroll jettisoned that guy's ass right away. Yeah, I golden, think the golden tape bite, as a matter of fact. You remember that? I think yeah. that was Super Bowl week, Dan. Yeah. And 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 see what what happened after the Super Bowl because of the full story, they allowed the story of Foles and the manufactured rivalry between Wentz and Foles to escalate. Then you started having divisions inside the locker room, receivers like, you know, Alshon Jeffries. Oh, I love my guy, Nikki Foles, and all this guys. Guys are building <laughs> statues of the guy out front of the link, and you're going like this. Hey, man, okay, at the end of the day here, You've got to cut that out as a head coach, that whisperings in the corner. I'll give you another example. Coach Jimmy Johnson, when he walked into Dallas, this guy fired everybody yeah. from jocks to socks because yeah. he didn't want those veteran guys undermining his authority in that locker room. That's why he always had a problem with Jerry on the sidelines. You have to have authority in that position where you stop the whispering and you have control of that locker room. There were too many, and you mentioned it, there were too many clicks in that locker room, and that division, it started to wear on that team, and it got to the quarterback, in my opinion. No, I agree. And it was Dan Orlovsky yesterday. He was on ESPN, obviously. Uh, I think it was Get Up ESPN. So this is what Dan said. He said, if the Eagles could go back right now and redo that decision, drafting uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round, I'm 100% convinced that they would not have taken Jalen Hurts. Now, Dan got in a lot of trouble with that, with Eagles fans. So, I, I'm Dan, I'm bringing this all in with Danny Green, the stuff we talked about, about Eagles fans. You mentioned how they, they've embraced Jalen Hurts. They love Jalen Hurts. They don't criticize Jalen Hurts. They won't acknowledge he's not an unproved. Again, I'm talking about a large minority. There's real. There's always realistic fans that are more tempered, but there's a large block of people who think this is the guy already. And you got to be honest, he hasn't proven that yet. 
which, as I said, there are certain things to like. There are certain things to dislike. What I said about Dan is, a, I said he's 110% correct. The Eagles know they made a mistake because of what happened in hindsight. Carson Wentz didn't handle it well. Now, Doug Peterson's out in Tahoe for the celebrity tournament where everybody is right now. Uh, and he had mentioned, look, the plan was to draft Jalen Hurts to get a cost-effective backup quarterback for four years and then spit him off and hopefully trade him for a first or second-round pick. That was the plan of the Philadelphia Eagles. Turns out Carson Wentz didn't take it well. He began to distrust not only the head coach, but the general manager, the owner of this team. And remember, Dan, this isn't Aaron Rodgers, who's 38 years old. This was a 27-year-old franchise quarterback at the time, Carson Wentz, that they was 10 months, 10 months off the record-setting extension. It did not make sense. The decision, not the player, it has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. Now, I since then, the Eagles have had to eat 30. They're paying Carson Wentz $34 million to play for Frank Wright. $34 million of dead money. That's 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 crazy. And I I think the problem again, though, John, comes down to this communication. I'm gonna give you an example here. Trade Lance over the weekend, this past weekend. This is his comment about Jimmy Garoppolo. I've never in my life ever been around a guy who's as great as Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a wonderful teammate. Do you know why that works like that? That works like that because John Lynch, Martin Mayhew, when he was still at the beginning of the whole process talking to him, and Kyle Shanahan, were keeping Jimmy Garoppolo updated constantly. Hey, we're going to take a quarterback at the third pick. We're trading up. We're not going to be going after Kyle Pitts. Or some people thought maybe they'd go after Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, but that was never going to happen when you move up like that. You're getting a quarterback. But they were in constant contact with Jimmy Garoppolo. So Jimmy Garoppolo, he wasn't part of the decision-making, but he was part of the process. So it made that transition so much better for them to be able to be teammates. Everybody understood, hey, look at Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers finds out that Jordan Love is a Green Bay Packer. You know how? Watching it on the draft night and nobody yeah. telling him what was going on. I heard Alex Smith, the former Washington quarterback, talking about how Andy Reid was constantly in contact with him saying this, hey, we're going to take a quarterback. We're going to go after somebody here. We want to keep you in the loop here. Alex Smith said that he was in constant weekly contact about what they were doing at that position. Again, you're not part, you're, you're not part of the decision-making process, John. You're part of the process, though, and they're letting you know where you are in the building, and they're communicating with you. This all comes down to this. All they had to say in Philly was this. This is just a safety belt. You've been injured the last two years. This is a seat belt. That's all it is. He's not coming in here. I know I know Frank Wright personally. You know what he told Carson Wentz the first day he got off the airplane when he landed in Indy? Don't worry about this. It's not a one-year project here. You're here for the next couple of years. This is your football team. I don't care if we win next year or whatever. This is your team. We're going on a journey. 
It's not about one year. It's about winning a Super Bowl. This is your the confidence level that Frank is working on. Dude, he's not working on drops and uh, not holding on to the ball too much, not trying to do much, too much more than needs to be done. They're working on his mental game right now. They're getting him back into being – look, they're telling him in Indy, we have a 10th – we're in the top 10 in offense. We're in the top 10 in defense. We're the only team coming back that has that distinction in the NFL. You don't have to do anything. Jonathan Taylor's a hell of a running back. So at the end yeah. of the day, John, this comes down to the lack of communication. And again, the owner parachuting in, giving his 10 cents, That's and the general correct. manager handing uh, Doug Peterson, who's going to play the active rosters on Thursday, which is a absolute ridiculous thing that the general manager is even involved in that decision-making on a Sunday roster. It's just a lack of communication all over the place in Philly. And by the way, Howie Roseman is going to be involved with Nick Sirianni with that game day roster. I'll guarantee that. Day. Oh, absolutely. And that was probably part of the hiring process, John, yeah. that, you know, they told him how the process. And I would even probably tell you this. Frank probably told him. And I know what Frank Frank is one of the greatest evaluators of people. He probably said, you're going to have to manage Howie and you're going to have oh, to manage yeah. the owner because what they're going to do is. Let them, you know, Jimmy Johnson told me his biggest mistake he made in Dallas was not letting Jerry Jones play with his toy enough. And so if he had to do it all over again, he would have let Jerry more involved in what was going on, communicating again, John. And I think he told him, hey, listen, you want this thing to work in Philly? How he's got to be part of the process. And when I heard that he's given the head coach the rosters on who's going to play, yeah. Do you know what that means to NFL players, John? You saw it in the final game of the NFL season when they yanked out the starting quarterback and they put in that nobody guy at the end of the game. Nate, Nate Sutfeld, yeah. Watch this. You know what that came down to? Maybe guys were uh, in line for incentives. And, and the guys that are in the locker room are going like this. Holy! I saw a guy sitting on the bench with the Eagles going like this. Holy crap. And you knew what was going on right there. They stopped that team from winning and competing at the end there because it came down to the general manager and the owner controlling the roster, which means they control the incentives, which means they control the money. That's why players don't come out in blowouts or if they're blowing a team out because you have player incentives. 75% of the plays you get, you may get $300,000. If you play all 16 games, you may get a bonus of $50,000. I've posted my bonuses before. I got a $45,000 roster bonus just for playing in the first six games. So, man, the Eagles have, the Eagles need to have a come-to-Jesus conversation when it comes to how they handle communications inside that building. You know, that is a great perspective, Dan, from a player standpoint, because that's the kind of thing we don't think about, incentives and playing time incentives and being on the field and how that affects a particular player's mentality when they know, hey, this could be $45,000. This could be three hundred. Some of these are really significant. So that that's a tremendous perspective. From the Eagles, you're right about the owner and the general manager. And it's interesting because I've talked to guys over the years. Andy Reid, obviously, was here for 13 years, a phenomenal coach, certainly the best coach I've ever been around. Um, but I will say – he had this political ability to steer guys in the right direction. 
Doug Peterson, great guy, great coach. But I got to tell you, Doug doesn't want confrontation. So, you know, he's beating the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field with Aaron Rodgers. And the owner's asking him, why didn't you run the football? Or what, excuse me, why didn't you throw the football more? It's like, what? You know, you're not supposed to win a football game and you upset the MVP at Lambeau Field and the owner's complaining about how you won the football game? That would be a difficult pill to swallow for me. I think it was a difficult pill to swallow for Doug Peterson. So is Nick Sirianni the kind of political animal that can steer Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie in the right direction? I don't know how he could be. With no you, you, you know experience. what, though, John? I would say this to you, though, John. I would say that Frank Reich's probably primed them for this. That's being in that point. building – being in that building and knowing and watching how Doug had, I agree with you 100%. You see, I, I, I always tell people about NFL games compared to college games. Hey, look, man, it, it, it's a beauty pageant in college football. In the NFL, I don't care if you win the game three to two, okay? Nobody cares how you get it done. That Brady makes the same comment. I could throw for 154 yards. I could throw for 454 yards. Nobody cares. Win the game. That's what we're all about here. It's not about statistics. It's about winning the game. And when you're questioning the process instead of the result, what happened in Philly was you're constantly evaluating the process. Who gives a rat's ass about the process as long as the results will win? And when you're doing that crap like that, you're getting and you're meddling in the in, in, in the own in how the coach runs that locker room. You're you're dealing with his authority in that room. Who's in charge here? It got to a point I'm watching, and maybe, John, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm watching this as an outsider here, and I'm going, Jesus criminy, man, shut up. Just shut up and let the coach and the players play. Because when I saw those expressions at the end of the season on the bench, there were two offensive linemen that were sitting there on the bench, and when they yanked the quarterback out and they yanked Hurts out, you saw them basically mouth, what oh, the yeah. F? And you Jalen go, did, yeah. And you're sitting there going, holy crap. That was a front office and ownership. And, you know, I've said this before about Jerry Jones. And we had Stephen Jones on our show. And I love the Jones family. They will never win a Super Bowl as long as Jerry Jones is running that franchise as a football man, not just as a businessman. One thing has been common in Dallas the last 27 years. They haven't made it to an NFC championship game. They have not even gotten close. Maybe they got close when the Des Bryant catch or non-catch, whatever that was up in Green Bay, you could debate. I thought it was a catch. That was probably their best team under Romo. But I would say this to you, John. He's been terrible, man. I mean, he's a terrible general manager, and the record speaks to it and how he runs that football team. And when you have meddling owners like that, you undermine the power of the coach in the locker room. Yeah, the, I mean, you know Jimmy well. So, I, I mean, you know the intricate details of, look, that was a dynasty. And bottom line, I think where the comparison is great is that um, Jerry Jones believed uh, he should have gotten more credit for those Super Bowl championships. I think we all know that. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson, rightfully so, was getting 
the the majority of the accolades. He built that team. He coached that team. He 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 was the reason for the success of that team, along with Hall of Fame talent all over the field. But he got him in there. Similarly, here Jeffrey Lurie sits there for twenty three years, had one of the best coaches in the game, didn't get over the hump. Finally gets over the hump and somehow Dan Celio somehow convinced himself he was responsible for it. And That's he's crazy. involved. He's involved with, oh, you got to fire the wide receiver coach. Forget about coordinators. Mike Rose in Indianapolis now with Frank Reich again. You know, Doug didn't want to fire Mike Rowe. Doug didn't want to fire uh, Carson Walsh as an assistant coach. He's very loyal to his guys. He was forced to fire him. Why, why are you getting involved? Like, what do you know about the wide receiver coach? Why would you be an expert on the wide receiver coach? You have to know. I always say this, Dan. The smartest people in the world are the people who know what they don't know. In other words, you know. Right. right. I, I, if, if Jimmy Johnson's my coach, go be my coach. If I got... You know, Jerry Jones deserves all the credit in the world for building up the Dallas Cowboys into a $5.7 billion entity. Phenomenal businessman. Tremendous businessman. I also have tremendous respect for him because he, he takes accountability. He's always there. He does his own radio show. He does press conference after every game. So he takes the heat, whereas Jeffrey Lurie talks to us, you know, maybe twice a year and scurries away. So I give him credit for taking accountability, but they're both meddling owners, and that's never a good thing. How about this too, John? Let me give you the best owner in the league. It's it's Bob Kraft. Yeah. Bob Kraft stays the F out of the business, and when he needs to get into the business, Deflategate, um, you know, Spygate. Uh, he has to go public with stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo story. When he has to do something, He'll come in and he'll make the final call on the Tom Brady thing. Remember something. Brady didn't go to Belichick to tell him that he was leaving. Yeah. He went to Bob Kraft and told Bob Kraft, hey, listen, this is it. I'm out of here now. And, and Bob wanted him to stay. Bob begged him to stay. Didn't want to. Wanted because it wasn't fun for Tom. <clears throat> and the point, again, is like you said, Jerry gets in the way and Laurie's talking about He's talking about wide receiver coaches. Why? Why are you doing it? He systematically, because anything that starts with, with what a great accomplishment is, and you start unraveling that, he basically peeled that onion down to its core. Okay? They had a championship football team. They had a championship roster, and the owner peeled it down. He stripped this thing down right in front of us to where, how do you do this, John? Two years later, you fire the Super Bowl winning coach? Yeah. Less I mean, than three how years. absurd is that? No, so 1960, Dan. That was the last championship for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, there wasn't a Super Bowl. First Lombardi trophy in, in franchise history. Doug Peterson has gone less than three calendar years off that. Carson Wentz, who you, as I said, you just paid at the time, was the most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL. You you destroy that relationship in record time by bad decision making. Like I said, 
I think it's a fair criticism of Carson Wentz to say, look, you 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 had a right to be upset, but you got to handle it better. Correct. And you got to play better. So, look, part of it is on Carson, but and that's why I was bringing up Dan Orlovsky. What Dan was saying is, if you have a 27-year-old quarterback and you just gave him the Brinks truck, you don't draft a quarterback at number 53. It's never been done before in the Super Bowl history, Super Bowl era. You could talk about guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. It makes more sense when you're getting up into your late 30s. Okay, then you got to start with the succession plan. The Eagles have this sentiment, Dan, where they want to be the smartest guy in the room. We're the smartest guy in the room. We want a a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Backup quarterback is a very important position. We want to get a cost-effective guy for four years. Then the night of the draft, I called it a laboratory pick. And, and what I meant by that was, you know what? If you sit by yourself, this makes some sense. You know, draft a young kid to sit to be really cost effective. That's I don't have a problem either with it. To be a back, but you're not taking into account no. human nature. Everybody right. gets pissed off. Aaron Rodgers is the best player in football. He gets pissed off when you when you and he's 38. You know, you have to take into account. You talked about your success in this industry. What you talk about relationships. You got to take it into account people. That's why I called it a laboratory pick. Yeah, you know, and, and, and again, the the voices in the room, there's too many of them in that locker room. There's one voice. It's the head coach's voice. And I and you always you, you say this all the time. Let, let's go back in history here, John, and look look at look at the Bartolo and look at Carmen Policy and Walsh and all these guys. Look at Jimmy Johnson. Look, look at Phil Jackson and with Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf. Everybody wanted the credit for that dynasty that was going on, and that's systematically on. You know, the thing I say always about that Chicago Bulls team, nobody ever beat them. You know what beat them? Ego. Ego beat that dynasty yeah. because they ripped that thing apart before probably two years. Maybe they could have squeezed out another two championships, but everybody was in the room trying to get a piece of the Larry O'Brien trophy. You know, everybody wanted their piece. And it, it doesn't history repeat itself? And it's repeating itself here when you're telling me this story here with, with how the Eagles handled themselves over the last three years. The lack of communication and the lack of not being on the same page is why this organization is right now. How about this? I'll say this. And I've heard people say, well, hey, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you, I think the Eagles are going to win. I heard actually some idiots say this team – could win 12 games. I'm like, 12 games? Are you crazy? <laughs> this football team will be lucky to win five ball games next year. Five to seven. They're going to be in that conversation somewhere in there. Who knows? That may still win the East. But, I mean, at the end of the day, though, John, they've got to right the ship from the top down for this thing to start to straighten themselves out. Is Jalen Hurts the guy? Let them all be on the same page and making the same decision. That's how you build a franchise. Yeah, I, I, I think this season for the Eagles, Dan, is about answering questions, like you just said. Agreed. Is Nick Sirianni going to be a good head coach? Is, is, are we going to move forward with Jalen Hurts? 
so many questions on the offensive side of the ball, even more on the defensive side of the ball. As many questions as you can answer. I don't think it's about wins. I don't think it's about, you know, playoff positioning. This is a transition year. Even Laurie admitted that. It's about answering questions and getting back right on track when you have three first-round picks, probably, if Carson holds his water in Indianapolis, and you have all this money back under the salary cap, then you can get going back in the right direction. They have to answer questions this year. Although I do say, because of the offensive line and defensive line, I do think national people, and you're more of a national guy, you're taking that perspective. All Every single national guy I, I've spoken to has said to Eagles what you said. They're going to win five games, maybe. They're looking at the coach and the quarterback, and understandably so. Rookie head coach, unproven quarterback. They're not looking at Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Now, granted, a lot of old players there, a lot of injury-prone players there. If those guys stay healthy, you know, of all people, if you can block people and you can rush the passer, you're going to win some games. So I do think they're talented. The strength of their team is up front on both sides of the football. Absolutely. Let's let's take a look at some of those questions when we come back out of the timeout. The biggest question that has to be answered for the Eagles in 2021. We'll do that next year on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Moving along here, Dan Cilio, in for Jody here on Birds 365 with John McMullen. John, we're talking about, like, obviously the biggest question is whether or not the quarterback's the dude or not going forward, okay? But I also do think this. I, th- I think the relationship between the quarterback and head coach is also going to be something to watch. I mean, Nick Sirianni, this is his first time up to the plate as a head coach. I've always told people, and having talked to former head coaches that made that transition from being a coordinator – to being a head coach, it's almost the same kind of transition that a athlete goes from being a college guy to being an NFL guy. And when you're just used to having one-sided headsets on, you're just listening to the defensive guys, you're listening to DBs, linebacker coaches, you're, you're hyper-focused on one part of your team, your position, and what the unit's doing on that side of the ball, defense or offense. When you're a head coach, There's a reason why you have two switches, offense, defense. And the head coach goes back and forth and is monitoring what the coaches are doing. You know, Coach Jimmy Johnson told me his most useless day ever was on game day because his assistant coaches were the guys that were running the football team. Jimmy's job coaching the team was Monday through Saturday. Sundays, those were his assistant coaches. Nick's got to learn that, and he's got to understand there's two or three sides to this team, special teams, defensive side of the ball, dealing with your offense, and not being so hyper-focused on just the relationship with the quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see how his assistant coaches and him all work together and how they work with Jalen and developing that. So that's going to be part of this growing process that you're talking about. And like you said, me looking at it from 35,000 feet, yeah, five to seven wins. But the Eagles really, like you said, if you want to really get into the weeds of this, they're going to be looking at all these relationships, how Nick acts as a head coach, his coaching staff. There's probably going to be 40% change in turnover next year in his coaching staff because some guys are not going to fit into the mix, just like guys don't fit onto the roster. You know, it's interesting, Dan, because you bring up Jimmy and you're talking about a CEO coach. Yes. Like if I were an owner, if I were an owner, I would want a CEO coach. I talk about this all the time. I, if I'm hiring somebody to be the head coach of my football team, I want him to be the head coach of my football team. I, I look at Sean McVay. You know, he's the template for the modern NFL coach. You know that. Everybody wants Sean McVay. Everybody wants the next Sean McVay. Oh, you had coffee with Sean McVay? Come interview with me. Sean McVay's the guy in this league. I remember when he first got to Los Angeles, he wouldn't even pay attention. 
when the defense was on the, the field. You know, they had Wade Phillips at the time. He would go sit with Jared Goff. He'd be on the bench talking. Wouldn't even be looking at the game. I don't want that type of coach. And too many teams in this league are going in that direction. I was always told, you've probably heard this, if you're hiring a scheme, you've done it wrong when you're talking about coaches. Because somebody's going to catch up to your scheme no matter what. So here's my biggest concern with Nick Sirianni. I brought up Sean McVay. He had Wade Phillips. You look at a uh, Matt Nagy. He had Vic Fangio at the time in Chicago. Uh, Doug Peterson here had Jim Swartz as a first-time coach. Uh, on and on and on. Even last year, Joe Judge had Jason Garrett, who coached the Cowboys for all those years. You know who Nick Sirianni's right-hand man is? Kevin Petulo. I, I, I mean, here, here's the other thing I've heard from every coach I've ever talked to, Dan, and you're closer to a lot of coaches than me. Every single one of them, when they get the, the big chair for the first time, says, man, I didn't know how much stuff I ought to do that doesn't involve football. You know, the logistics, the schedules, the media stuff. You know, you're talking, everybody's in and out of your office. It's not about exit. You got to manage a whole team. It's a really big job. So that's my concern with the Eagles. Maybe Nick's great at it. But boy, man, I'd like to have a veteran sounding board who's done it before. That seems to be the successful template around the league if you're going with a young head coach. And there's no doubt that's what they're doing in Jacksonville. Okay. Urban Meyer's not going to be sitting around coaching uh, Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be done by committee. The reason that he's won when he was at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, he was a CEO type of coach. Do you know who his confidant is? It's Jimmy Johnson. He's had numerous conversations on how Coach Johnson became a success. You know all the hammerhead people are always talking about why Tebow's down in uh, Jacksonville. It's got nothing to do with making the team. Do you know why Tebow's in the room? And I'll give you another, for instance, on what Jimmy did when he's first year in Dallas. Coach Johnson brought every single guy that he had ever been around or coached in his entire life into the team, including yours truly. When players in that building were asking me, what's Jimmy expecting? I told them, if you think this roster that you see today is going to be here next year, he'll turn 90% over this roster, including my ass. He doesn't care, but he wants you to know inside the building. Tebow's in that building to let every single veteran know the culture is going to be this. This is what Meyer expects. That's why the coaches that have been brought in have Urban Meyer connections. That's why everybody that's telling these players, this is what we're going to do. Hell, he's even got Shea Khan, the owner of the team, investing all types of money into the new facilities, and he's inspired him that way because he's running it like a CEO, like you said. You know, he, there's no question that that transition – is going to be something to keep an eye on here with Sirianni. And to me, you, you mentioned Sean McVay. I'll give you a quick story here, John. I, I knew um, you know, Sean McVay from my Tampa days because John McVay, if you remember yeah. the name, John McVay oh, yeah. was the great talent evaluator 
And he was the guy that was working with Bill Walsh and Eddie DeBartolo and building that great dynasty. I even think John may have been the head coach of the Giants for a little bit when my uncle hired him as the um, New York Giants head coach, Andy Robustelli. I think, I think Andy hired him. I think he was there for a small stint. Anyway, so he has football background, and he used to be a ball boy for John Gruden. And then he gets, I believe he gets a coordinating job somewhere. I think it was in Washington. Am I right? When he was in Washington? Yeah, he was, was in Washington. Yeah. He was in Washington. Stan Kroenke called John Gruden and said, do you want the job? Gruden said, I'm not ready yet. I, 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 I appreciate it. Thank you very much. However, you should take a look at this guy here in Sean McVay. Very young. And then Bruce Allen got on the phone. And Bruce Allen and John Gruden, those are the two people that got Sean McVay that job. And the number one thing that was told to Sean, hey, Sean, listen, this transition is not as easy as you say, okay? John Gruden was the guy that said, if you're not going to be on that side of the football, get the most experienced defensive guy you could possibly get. And the guy I suggest is Wade Phillips. That was a hand pick from the front office of Les Snead and Kevin Demoff there in that Rams organization. They were making sure that they had it set up for him that he could make that transition. And guess what happened? After John, after he felt comfortable on being a head coach, they jettisoned Wade. Yeah. And he felt a little bit better. So, to me, Nick should have had a little bit more power people in the building. But then again, we go back to who's in charge of hiring and who's in charge of firing. Do you really think that Nick Sirianni in any way had any kind of say in who his coaches were going to be on that coaching staff? Or do you think it was Howie Roseman who had the majority of the influence? <laughs> if he runs the roster, John, he's got to also be running the coaching staff too. And when you yeah, have well, that that's, dynamic, that's not good. That's the interesting thing, Dan. And I will never be able to understand this. Look, and maybe it just comes down to Doug didn't want to do it, but they didn't give Doug the autonomy with his coaching staff. With Nick, day one, he had more autonomy. Huh. I'm not saying he has complete autonomy. They wanted to keep Jeff Stoutland. They got it done. And by the way, that's a good thing. Um uh, and then the receivers coach, Aaron Moorhead, which, to be honest, between you and me, they were looking for somebody else. They couldn't get somebody else, and they circled back around uh, to Aaron Moorhead. Everybody else is a Nick guy. Everybody else has a, has, That's great has to a hear. relationship with Nick Sirianni. Kevin Petullo, as I mentioned, is going to be his right-hand man. He's the passing gate coordinator. Uh, he was in Indianapolis with him. Um but I will say this, that it is really, really uh, strange from the Eagles' perspective. Th to me, this is completely counterintuitive. So I'm going to throw this here. Doug, obviously, was a longtime player, we know. Then he went to coach in high school for a little bit. And then Andy brought it back in the league as an assistant, Andy Reid. Obviously, Andy had tremendous success. And... When Andy went to Kansas City, he brought Doug Peterson along. So Doug's entire history as an assistant coach was with Andy Reid, first in Philadelphia, then in Kansas City. What the Eagles said behind the scenes about Nick Sirianni, well, he's been in more spots. He's developed more relationships, as you like to say, Dan. Maybe that's true. But why are you penalizing Doug Peter? 
how do you lose a job in this league? I mean, you're not successful. You hop around. Sometimes you get promoted as an assistant. But how are you going to blame a guy? What is Doug Peterson going to do? Say, oh, I'm going to leave Andy Reid. I'm going to leave maybe the second best coach of the generation so I can get more experience with a bunch of nothings. It doesn't make sense to me. It's counterintuitive. The guy knows football. The guy knows people. Let him let him have the coaches he wants. And then, Dan, then if he fails, okay. Then he could say, oh, I was right. Then fire him. But give him the opportunity. Am I crazy? No, no, because it's like saying this. Well, I'm not going to hire anybody from Apple. You know, you were there at Apple for 25 yeah. years, yeah. you know, and I'm going to penalize you because you didn't have 57 jobs. Yeah, it, it makes you know, no I, sense to me. I don't want a guy that's been popping around on 57 different jobs. I want – let me say this to you, and I, and I tell people this all the time. The gold standard and how you run a franchise is in Pittsburgh. They've had three head football coaches since 1969 when we put Neil Armstrong on the moon. Yeah, More presidents and – And Pol- they're all going to the Hall of Fame. Every Two one of them. there, Mike's going. How about this one too, John? Think about the free agents they've brought in in the last 50 years that you went like this. Wow. Jerome Bettis, everybody thought he was he was done in Los Angeles when he was there. Give, give, give me like gigantic free agents that they bring in. They really don't bring them in because you know what they do? They invest in their coaches. They invest in their talent. They invest in people. They're patient. They're not going to knee-jerk react. They're going to get involved when they need to get involved. Kevin Colbert works with Mike Tomlin. He doesn't act like his boss, like how he acts like the boss of the coaches that are in Philadelphia. You need to work with even Chris Ballard. Look at Chris Ballard and what he's done in Indianapolis. He's working with Frank. He's not commanding Frank. Frank, what do you need? Who do you want? I'll give you... I, I, I had the most interesting comments said by Frank Wright when it came to Carson Wentz. Let me throw this at you here. The day after the regular season ended, they went to Phillip Rivers. And this was said on my show. And by the way, you can go on Jacob Media's channel and you can hear what Frank said here on the National Football Show. He said this the day after the season ended for them because they went on to the playoffs. They went like this. Okay, we're not going into the draft. We're targeting Carson Wentz. They knew immediately that Philadelphia had lost their patience with him on what they saw in that final game. Frank said on my show, we knew immediately we wanted him. Do you know that Philadelphia in that entire, this entire offseason was unraveling in front of everyone media-wise We're going to have an open quarterback competition. As soon as that was said, they knew they didn't have to surrender a first-rounder. And you know why they knew that? Nobody offered the Eagles a first-round draft choice for Carson Wentz. Philadelphia shot themselves in the foot by night. Look at what they got for Matthew Stafford. What the hell has he ever won? What has he done up there? He's a great talent. Everybody keeps telling me that. Okay, well, he he, he didn't really translate that into wins. They got multiple first-rounds off this thing. So you didn't – you may now he ends up going or they go to the AFC Championship game. It turns into a first-rounder. I get that. But they knew immediately, John, that they were targeting this guy. 
they wanted Carson Wentz from day one. And there was that's why I kept posting on my Twitter page. I kept going like this. They're working on a deal. They're working on a deal. I knew they were working on a deal because Frank was telling me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Eagles lost leverage for, for a number of reasons, Dan. I think you also have to be fair. I mean, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Matthew is going to get a little deference because Detroit's a bad organization. We know that it has been their bad team for a long time. He does have talent. There's not that terrible film on Matthew Stafford. He always played pretty well. Um, You could say he didn't live up to expectations, but there was horrible film on Carson Wentz. I, I mean, he played really poorly last year. I can't even explain it. To this day, I can't explain it. I mean, people talk about the injuries. Okay, he wasn't the same Carson Wentz post-ACL, LCL, but he played pretty well in 2018 and 2019. He played okay. Uh, I, I, I had felt personally, here's where I was. I felt that Carson was probably in the 12-13 range as far as grading quarterbacks in this league. And maybe if he had a good year, he can get to 9 or 10. I thought he was settling in as that guy, which, to be honest, was a bit of a disappointment prior to the injuries when he looked like he was going to be a superstar. Then the, the he just fell off the table from a mechanic standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, ball security, everything. So you did have this bad tape on, on, on Carson Wentz that you didn't have on a player like Matthew Stafford. So I think that impacts the, what you're going to get back as well. And then, yes, they definitely screwed up the relationship part of it. It became clear to everybody around the league he wasn't coming back. He was going to force himself out. Again, the record for dead money in this league, Dan, was $22 million. And by the way, the Rams said it with Jared Goff. I think it was $22.8 million. And that's why guys like me and Andrew Brandt, and all the money guys said, they're not going to eat that money. That's not Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey Lurie's not going to eat $33.8 million and set that precedent. He did, not because he wanted to, because he had no other option. Yeah, but John, that new CBA allows owners now to defer a lot of that money. Okay? And now when that kicks in this year, you can defer that because that's what happened with the Rams. When Todd Gurley... And that they owed him when he left uh, Los Angeles, they still owed him $25 million. They owed Clay Matthews another $18 million. And what that new CBA does, it's team friendly. So you can defer money out. Yes, it's dead money counts against your cap, but you're deferring a lot of that money out now to where it's conducive for these guys to eat a lot of this money. That's why down in Atlanta, there was a debate whether or not Arthur Blank was going to go like this. Are we going to sit and eat $62 million of Matt Ryan's deal? They didn't want to do it because it was too much. And quite frankly, I don't think Matt Ryan's the issue in Atlanta. I think it's their sorry-ass defense that was the issue there. So I think he's probably going to have a rebound year with this new head coach. So that gives you a little bit more of the autonomy to be able to do that when you're talking about dead money on the, you know, like you said before, before with that, without that new CBA, 
that was a crusher, man. And you didn't see teams really making these moves. But now you're seeing teams eating this money now because they could spread that money out over an extended period of time if they make a mistake on a free agent. Well, I got to tell you, you're right. But in this case, short term, it kills you. Because oh, it kills when people, you. Massive. When, when people think about the Eagles and say – Especially they can in win, a rebuild, John. Yeah, they can win 12 games. Here's how Brandt described it to me. Here's how Andrew – you have all these fantasy football leagues and fantasy football people. Some of them are monetary related. You get like $200 and you get to build a team with $200. Well, imagine everybody in your little fantasy league has $200 and you got to start with 166. Uh, right. There it is. That's what's going on with the Eagles. That That's what that dead money uh, hit means. So it was more about moving on from the relationship that was fractured because of the front office, let's be honest. And I circle all the way back to Orlovsky comments. He wasn't talking about Jalen Hurts. He was talking about the Eagles' decision to draft a player at 53 that fractured the relationship with Carson Wentz, which I think is fair. How about this too, John? You, you, you mentioned you start with like 166 and other teams are playing at 200. Do you know where that affects you the most? In your special teams. Yeah. When you don't have that additional 25%, that comes down to special teams. And how many times have we seen teams like look at the Cowboys? The Cowboys are paying $42 million to Dak Prescott. Watch this here. They're paying $18 million, basically 20, to Ezekiel Elliott. They're paying another 20 to Amari Cooper. My God almighty, you got $80 million of your $186 million salary cap wrapped up. 80 million of that money is in three players. What about your old line? What about the defense that was a sieve a year ago? Hell, I haven't even got to the backups, and I even got the special teams. That's yeah. why the Cowboys are top-heavy, and their cap makes no sense right now. Where, you know, people are going like this. Well, the Cowboys are going to be, you know, a, a, a real play. I'm like, no, they're not. Their salary cap is all over the joint. That goes here to this question here. Where do the Eagles fit in the NFC East this coming 2021 season, you think? Well, I think definitely you go in. Look, I, I say with Dak Prescott healthy, the Cowboys have a top five offense. I mean, they were putting up historic numbers. People forget Dak was the final three games before he got hurt, Dan. He was at like four, I think it was 426, 470 something, and then over 500. I mean, they were throwing the ball all over the place with Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. Now they have their offensive line back, top five offensive line. Uh, that's a top five offense. Washington, top five defense. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, good secondary, good linebackers. Jam Jaman Davis is their first-round pick. Uh, they're really good on the defensive side of the ball. So I think you have the haves and the have-nots, and I put quotes on that. Look, I don't think Dallas or Washington is a significant contender, but if, if they stay healthy, the NFC East, the top of the NFC East is going to be a little bit better than it has been. And then you have the bottom, and that's the Giants and the Eagles. Giants did everything for Daniel Jones. Got him weapons. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Saquon Barkley's back. But they didn't address the offensive line, Dan. The offensive line still stinks. 
you got to start with the offensive line. And the Eagles, look, too many questions about the coach and the quarterback. I think it's fair to say that. How about this? This is where I go with these guys. You you mentioned Dak. They were still one and four, though, John. I mean, yeah, they weren't they, winning. But the even, defense was historically bad. Historically yeah. bad. I yeah. mean, what 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 did the Browns? They run the ball for three hundred yards against them in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so even even with the signing of Dak, I say this: Did the Cowboys really get better? Where where did they get better? The kid from Penn State. He's a rookie. You really think a rookie's going to roll in to that defense? And they keep telling me about Dan Quinn, a new defensive coordinator in Dallas. Excuse me. Outside of the one year when Dan Quinn was the head coach in Atlanta, I think they finished ninth. The rest of them were like 26, 28th ranked. I mean, they keep telling me that this is going to be some sort of injection and that this new Dallas Cowboy defense, you know what their big mistake was a year ago when under Mike Nolan, they went from a 43 to a 34. They didn't have the personnel. They were getting run all over. The thing was so chaotic, and he didn't have a head coach putting his foot down saying, we don't have 43 personnel, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, in case those out there don't know what a 43 is. And they were not set up for that defense. That's why they couldn't get after the quarterback. They couldn't get anybody on the ground. That division, to me, comes down to defense and not offense. The two best defenses in that division – are the Giants and Washington. Washington, in my opinion, has the best roster in that division, top to bottom. Now, the quarterback position is obviously a major concern. However, do you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick has more passing yards than Terry Bradshaw? Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, Ryan, this guy yeah. has put a resume together that is stunning yeah. And I know it's been on 72 different teams, but yeah. I mean, if they get any consistency like they did in the last two years in Miami with Fitzpatrick, and if he could play like he did in New York with the Jets, that football team could win 10 games because of their defense and what they do on that side of the ball. Getting rid of Trent Williams was a colossal disaster for that franchise. I mean, how do you let the best offensive tackle go in the league? I, I mean, it still is mind-numbing on how you do that. Plus, you have the whole situation with Daniel Snyder. I don't know if that bleeds down because it's been a chaotic franchise. He's yeah, the I James th Dolan. I think they're used to it. Yeah, I think you they're know what used you know what, John. He's the James Dolan yeah. of the NFL. He's a horrible yeah. owner, but maybe him being away from it is going to be beneficial to that team. I, I I look at Washington and New York with the best defenses. I still am suspect on Dallas, and I well, and, you're and right, the Eagles are in transition. I'll, I'll say this last thing, Dan, I'll say about the Cowboys. They don't need to be a top-tier defense. They need, You're right. Get, they need to get me to 20. Can they get to 20? They can't be 32. They can't be historically bad. Can they get to 20, even 22, even 23? If they can, you know, Teron Smith is back. Zach Martin's back. Uh, Leo Collins is back. The receiver's the running back, the quarterback, they're going to be able to score 35 points. So you can give up 30. If you're scoring 35, you can't give up 40. So just note, you can't be 32nd. Just get me to 20, and that could be a good football team. You know, I, I, I say this to you, too, real quick here about Peterson. Let me ask you this. You think in, 20, in 2022, him and Eric Bieniemy are the number one candidates when it comes yeah, to yeah. – 
NFL head coaching candidates that are going to be open. Could um, you see him in Dallas? Yeah, depending if, if Mike Ball's on his face, yeah. I could, I could see Doug anywhere. You know, I'm going to use my stupid big water bottles, the Lombardi trophy. If you could slam that down. Yeah, I, yeah I throw the, the rings only, down, right? Yeah. Throw the rings on the table. It, I, I think the only reason Doug didn't get a job this year is because of the timing. He was fired so late. Everybody was in the process. They were already deciding on coaches. But, I mean, think about it. No disrespect to Robert Sala or Arthur Smith or Brandon Staley. Who the hell are these guys? I got a freaking Lombardi trophy. <laughs> I thought he was going to land with the Jets because of the relationship with the yeah, GM so did I. and the Eagles. I thought. Yeah. I really thought he was going to be yeah. in that conversation. I think he's going to be and, – and and get this. You know, Pete Carroll's going to be 71 years old next year. Yeah. I mean – And Doug's from Washington. That's where he's from. He's from uh, Bellingham, Washington. He would love to coach the Seahawks. That was see, another team. People were talking about him, Dan. I don't know if you remember being the offensive coordinator out there because that's the one place he would probably go to be a coordinator because he loves it out there. I would love to. I can't wait to see what he does. So not too much pain today, right? No, nah, it was great. I love Dan Cillia. I'm thrilled <laughs> you were here, man. Thrilled Dude, we kinda, you were here. Kind of knocked it around a little bit. JB, yeah. you know, it, it, Jerome told me all about Philly. And, hey, real quick, I got I got a buddy Ryan story. So I come in. I just get cut from the Buccaneers. Jerome played a horrible game on Monday night against the Giants. Buddy Ryan, I walk over. He looks over at me and he goes, you're, you're with him, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, you think I want another one of that guys around here? Get the my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I just got off the airplane, and I'm going like this. What the hell was that? He goes, Ryan goes, you think I, I want another one of you guys? He loved JB, though. Hey, John, I appreciate, man, you having me in the house. Thank you so much, man. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Dan. Thrill. Hey. First 365. Jody will be back Monday. Dan Celio, the National Football Show, 4 to 6, right here on the Jacob Media channel, Earth 365. We'll be back Monday. Jody, it'll be back at Mac. But much thanks to Dan Celio, who's a legend. I got up 225 once in my life, Dan. You got up 540. There we are. <laughs> If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.